0: Hi, y'all. We are back for another episode. And today I have another parent with me. I think it's so important to be able to feature the lived experience of parents who have autistic children hear what they're navigating. And I'm really excited about this conversation today because I think the theme of it is going to be finding community. So I have Jamie Lynn Brown on the podcast with me today. A little backstory. I was actually saying this before I hit record and we're going to hear about this, but she just went on a trip with other autism moms. And I remember it was the trip last year. I happened to find one of their accounts and then I was like, oh, this is perfect. I want to follow them all. I love they're all sharing their autism story and the impact it's had on them in different perspectives. So I'm really excited for us to be able to dive in to Jamie's story, hear about community and the intentionality that she's had in building that and also stepping into that role of being an autism parent and also making sure that she finds herself in this journey too. Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental coach specializing in neurodivergent affirming care. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. And I know firsthand the impact autism can have. I was 12 years old when my little brother was diagnosed and my family had to learn how to navigate the autism journey. It wasn't always easy. Two decades later, I now create resources and services I wish my family had, including this podcast, and I developed the whole family approach. On this podcast, of course, we will talk about autism, but we will also talk about your personal growth and well-being as a parent, supporting your non-autistic children, and sharing personal stories of other families so you know you're not alone. Quick disclaimer before we jump into today's episode. Anything shared on this podcast should not be considered clinical advice, and you should consult with your team of medical, mental health, and developmental providers if you need support. So, Jamie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yes, yes. So let's start off. Let's have you give a little background. Tell us about your family and let us get to know you a little bit. Sure.
1: It is my husband and my stepson, who is 17. And then my little guy, Phoenix, who will be 10 in January. And I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around that. But Phoenix is my autistic son. He was diagnosed when j- just shy of three years old. And it's been a roller coaster ride ever since. We've had some definite ups and downs, but the overarching theme of autism motherhood has been that I am on a perpetual growth curve with my son. Mm -hmm. And it's been really beautiful. I love the transformations that I've had spiritually and mentally. And I love seeing his growth every single day. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm on this mission to help moms. That's why I came up with the intentional autism mama programs. But I feel that, I have this mission or calling, or whatever you want to call it, but an impetus to really help moms see that autism isn't this sentence, this whole negative thing, that you can embrace your child, you can grow right alongside them, and to always maintain some level of hope. And I think that that hope requires some intention with how you show up for your child, how you show up for yourself, how you show up for the rest of your family and your loved ones. And then the last piece of this that's really cropping up lately is to also show up intentionally for your community as a whole.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I love that point and that emphasis on growing with your autistic child in this journey, that you don't need to know everything. And even if you try, you're going to maybe figure it out for right now, but then things are going to change. And I think it fits in this context of we talk about neurodiversity a lot on the podcast and Mm -hmm. really understanding patterns of strengths and differences in your kids. So give us a little context of Phoenix. What would you say some of his strengths are and then where are some of his support needs? Sure. So
1: (laughs) Phoenix is hysterical. He is just a funny little guy. His strengths really lie in the area or lay in the area. I'm not sure grammatically, but (laughs) they fall under memorization, decoding, puzzles. Lately, we're seeing this beautiful attention to detail when it comes to piano and drawing Wow, he's just, yeah, he blows us away. He's been reading, I don't know if it's technically hyperlexic, but he's been reading and knew his alphabet by the age of two and a half. And oh, so there's yeah. never, yeah, so there's never really been a struggle in that area, but the struggle and the support need is for him to communicate his needs, for him to communicate his thoughts, his original ideas. The things that are in his heart and mind, it's really hard to explore that with him because, again, he's so good at decoding, at reading, at writing, all of those things, but they're not necessarily his thoughts, right? So that's where we are right now. its I I call it cracking the code on Phoenix. I really want to get into his mind. He's so bright, and he has so much capacity, and he loves learning. You can hear him laughing in the background. <laughs> he loves learning. He's just such a sponge. But when you sit down with him and you're trying to pull it out of him, I feel like sometimes he's safeguarding what he knows. He's not necessarily willing or wanting to share with you way all the things that he knows.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's true. Honestly, I working with autistic children for a lot that there's always so much more in their brain than sometimes we're able to understand. And this is where presuming competence becomes so incredibly important. And I often equate it to, it's almost like in some ways we're speaking two different languages. Like it's that we haven't figured out the, bringing together of communication. it's He's figuring it out, but then as probably parents, you're figuring it out too of how best to communicate with him and how best to understand him and all of that. It's a two-way street. Yeah.
1: You said that so well. I do feel that is what's going on with us. We're learning each other's language and Once we do, I just know that we are going to be bonded even further. I feel like our bond as mother and son, of course, is strong and our love does not need words to use the term that my girlfriend Lauren says all the time. Our, Our love does not need any words, but. At the same time, I can't wait for the day. And and I feel confident that it will happen. I can't wait for the day that him and I can sit down and have a back and forth discussion. Yeah. Because right now we're not there yet. Yet.
0: Yeah. How would you describe currently his spoken language? Just so other parents can realize this and they might be like, oh, that's what my child is like. Of course. So again, he's about
1: to turn 10. And he processes language with Gestalt, Gestalt language processing for sure. So he can script, yes, he can script a ton. He has full sentences when it has to do with something that he's very motivated by, whether it be something from a cartoon or he's really into reading books. So a line from a book, things like that. But in the day-to-day expression of needs and task management and things that we do throughout the day, I would say he's probably comfortably at two to three word sentences and they tend to be very functional, uh, versus e- emotional
0: mm-hmm.
1: and typically around accessing things that he wants or running away from things he does not. So there's yeah. some avoidance there, of course, Yeah, but it's very, it's non-conversational. For, for sure. There's definitely not reciprocal conversation happening. It's very much to access or to avoid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And for those listening, if you're wondering what the language processing is a couple episodes ago, it's 77. I had a speech language pathologist come on and talk all about it so you can dive into Good. it. But that's the thing. These scripts can be so functional. But you do have to do that detective work to figure them out and what they're referencing and what the meaning is behind all of them too. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and I want to share too that I have so many beautiful friendships with moms whose children are truly Mm nonverbal. And so I want to make sure that those that are listening know that I have such a heart for them and even though I say that my son doesn't have a lot of language or a lot of, he has a ton of language, but he doesn't have a lot of speech. I should say yeah, that I never take it for granted because when I say, I love you, Phoenix, he says, I love
0: you, mommy. Aww.
1: And so I, I just never take that for granted. Um, so I just want to make sure that I put that out there because again, it's been a long road, age three until 10, just trying to get those words out and Two to three word sentences may not sound like a lot to some, but to others, that may be everything. So,
0: yeah. And for him, he's made so much progress. When Absolutely. I, yeah. And I think in context of neurodiversity too, talking about. All forms of communication are equal and important. And again, it's figuring out, it's quote unquote, what language is your child speaking? Do you understand that language? And that doesn't just mean spoken language either. The large majority of parents that I speak with do have hope that spoken language does end up developing. And there's so many other ways to access your child's brain. So if you're listening to this as well, Just keep that in mind that the Gestalt Language episode, for example, also talked about AAC, high-tech AAC as as a route as well. And and then I watch your stories quite a bit. So aren't you guys, I feel like I noticed it a lot. And it's funny, it's like, I'm blanking right now, but aren't you like studying like marine animals or something like that right now? Yeah. (laughs) So one thing we had been in the
1: traditional public school setting. And this is my very first year homeschooling. And one thing that all of my very seasoned, wise homeschool moms shared with me is to really follow his interests versus come up with this robust lesson plan and just get all excited about what you want to teach, right? And really instead, go with that child-led learning and see what his interests are. And so all summer, he was so fascinated with the ocean. We did several surf events. And so we started drawing marine animals and I bought some curriculum that had to do with marine life. And so it just really, I don't know, it's really beautiful when you start seeing what your children are interested in and then you follow their interest.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. That And that's such a cool context, too. I just see you always talking about marine animals. And I'm like, clearly, this is an interest of his. And I love yeah. how you're leaning into it to focus the curriculum. And I think that's a perfect example of being child led, like he's going to yeah. be way more engaged. And so I always smile when I see that in your stories, for sure.
1: Yeah. For, for example, right now, we're learning fourth grade civics, no desire to learn. He does not love it, but you know what? Nor, nor do I, I don't want to study. I don't want to study us history and civics either. Yeah.
0: Ditto. (laughs) Ditto. That's not my realm either. So I feel that. So I'm curious for you, Jamie, what has been, I think the hardest part of this autism journey and navigating it for you.
1: Sure. Moment of transparency. And I don't know how this is going to land with those that are listening, but there's a lot of comorbidities and a lot of things that happen with autism, but practitioners are not always well-versed on those. And so they want to say that sleeping issues and food issues and sensory processing and behavior and Pretty much anything that is what we would say, maybe off, right, is all under the umbrella of autism. And I just have done enough of my own research and enough of my own biohacking, so to speak, with Phoenix, and have worked with amazing functional doctors to recognize that when Phoenix eats well, sleeps well, and Gets outside and has so much support for his body that he just, I don't know, like he lives so much better. He shows up so much better. He's so much more focused. He's so much more aware. And so I think that my biggest challenge six, seven years ago was. Not accepting that, again, that autism was going to be this negative fate for him, but that I had a lot of work to do to recognize how best to support him, body, mind, and spirit, that I had to treat him as a whole person, that autism was not the single defining thing. And forgive me, because I know that there are people that say, no, I am autistic. This is me. This is my defining feature, so to speak. But until Phoenix is able to say that about himself, I don't think it's his only attribute, his only, or his main defining feature. I think Phoenix is Phoenix. And yes, he's autistic, but he also has really incredible gut dysbiosis that we have had to work through for years and years and we have to stay on top of it right so i think that's been the biggest challenge is to make sure that i'm always looking at him as a whole person and and in so doing that is so much work mm. so there's also this piece of me that i lose myself in that a lot and i have to make sure that i'm also taking care of myself as a whole person yeah
0: and- yeah, it's so interesting too to hear some of this perspective. And I definitely have said, as a clinician, I'll own we do know that there's all these associated features that can mm-hmm. come under the autism umbrella. And a lot of times I, as a clinician, am coming at that from the, I don't want to like have label after label and being like, of oh, course. there's this and this. Of course. But I think you make such a beautiful point. And there's actually a few episodes on this too, where we, I think sometimes going, I say going into some of the more woo-woo things, so to speak. I'm think, here for it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I love it. And it's. I've talked about this personally, like seeing a nurse practitioner who was much more holistic and helping me to understand my body function and why I'm feeling the way that I am has been a game changer. And so also I love this idea of, yeah, this holistic approach and Sometimes I do think ironically being in the medical community gets very stuck on this is how we do it. And this is how we do it because research once told us this is how we do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's this compartmentalization.
1: Yes. Where yes. an MD might be looking more at the physiology, the the physical symptoms of what they see as autism. But then you as a doctor of psychology looking at the mind and looking at the behavior and all the clinical symptoms of uh, autism, you, there can be this tendency to compartmentalize for lack of a better word. So yeah, yeah.
0: totally. And I think some of that is as practitioners, we're trying to practice within our scope, but we're sure. also doing a disservice. And that's the thing. And this is a slightly different topic, but this is also, you touched on this too, mm-hmm. of why in my therapeutic approaches, I focus on the whole family. We're not yes. just focused on supporting the autistic child because All of those have connections, just your child's mind and gut and body all have connections with one another. So I love this idea of this holistic approach, both in terms of the individual, but also in terms of the family. And you talked about having to find that balance.
1: Absolutely. The healthier the family and the more whole the family is, the better outcome that your autistic child is going to have. If you are not cleaning up shop and you are not keeping yourself healthy and sane, <laughs> then it, it the battle just becomes that much harder.
0: I don't know if you've ever gotten into it, but I had an episode on human design, which was really fun. Yeah. But in that episode, her name's Allison Cullen that I did the episode with. She was talking about, and I totally agreed with her, that autistic children tend to be like hyper aware, like one of their superpowers a lot of times is they're going to notice everything. They're going to be sensitive. It's interesting that sometimes as parents, it's like, oh, they're not going to notice because I'm not saying anything sometimes the energy, like they can sense that you're exhausted, that you're stressed. And I think that it goes beyond sometimes just what we're speaking and doing and that energy sensing. And this is one of the reasons that I think the family being healthy, holistically really does impact the child.
1: Yeah. And that, that also is um, part of that Mm co-regulating, making sure that you're regulated When I sit down to do a homework assignment with Phoenix, if I am stressed and I'm thinking about bills and changing over the laundry and what's for dinner, and I'm not present for that assignment, he feels it. And do you think he's going to sit down and actually attend to that task? No. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Co-regulating is important.
0: Was this something you feel like you realized pretty early in his journey, like you got his diagnosis and this became a focus right away? Or is this something that has evolved, like even taking care of your own self, knowing your boundaries, all of that?
1: No, it's definitely, to steal your term, evolve. It's definitely been an evolution. I wish I could say that I had all of my ducks in a row. I did not. I definitely leaned on this community pretty quickly, searching for other autism moms on IG and really gleaning from them and their experiences. I will say that alone has been such a lifeline. And I know we're going to talk more about community, but if I did not have that lifeline, if I did not have a set of people set of fellow autism moms that I could ask questions of, that I could riff with over challenges that I was experiencing, I really do not know where I would be right now. So it's certainly been because of their help. But then also, I'm a reader. I'm a researcher by nature. And I also have a growth mindset. So I'm never going to be content to just, this is how it is. And so be it. No, that's not okay with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think the growth mindset is so important generally for everyone, but I think it yeah. particularly in this autism journey, because things are going to change and evolve. And I don't know if I, I'm referencing all these things, but it's just like, I, like, I love it. <laughs> there's a book called the gap in the gain. Have you ever heard of that? I have heard of it. I have not read it, but I do know the premise Yeah, that you get to choose. You get to choose, right? And again, I have an episode. There's a lot of episodes at this point, which is (laughs) awesome. But talking about in the autism parenting journey too, like you can either stay in the gap and compare your child to neurotypical children, where your child quote unquote should be, or you can choose to measure their progress and measuring Mm -hmm. them relative to themselves, which goes hand in hand with that growth mindset. And I think it's also important to point out, and you indirectly mentioned this too, is at the same point, you can have a growth mindset and still have really hard days, days that you feel stuck and not sure what to do. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And therefore, that's why it's so much more important to have your family solid, a community. And if you don't have one, start developing it because it's just so much harder to do this alone and it's so hard to do it without a full toolkit and yeah and and just not to be afraid that my my fear would be more to be stagnant and not try mm-hmm. i always want to show up i always want to keep trying
0: yeah Absolutely. So tell us a little bit of the timeline. So you have yeah. what seems to me, I don't know fully, but almost yeah. like this core group of autism moms, you you guys initially connected, you go on trips together, and then yeah. there's been a focus, it seems like across all of you to really continue to build this community. Yeah. So when did you first connect with them and when did this start? Real quick, just a brief interruption, because I want you to know you don't have to navigate this journey alone. If you're in a place where you have concerns about your child's development, you've been on the search for a therapist that provides evidence-informed neurodivergent affirming care, or you're needing more support as a parent, the whole family approach may be a good fit for you. Autism doesn't just impact your child's life, so you deserve care that works for your child and your whole family. Head to the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary call where we can chat about your unique circumstances. We can help you decide if Dr. Tay concierge clinical care would be a good fit for your family. And if not, we will provide you resources for your next best steps.
1: Yeah. Okay. So funny enough, it actually goes a little bit backwards. So a few years ago, I started the intentional autism mama community. So I have a very rich Facebook community that it's a private Facebook community for autism moms. And then I host typically twice a year, but 2023 was a really hard year just personally. So I did not do a fall retreat, but I host two virtual retreats each year. So it's for everyone in the U S and even abroad, we've had Australian and Canadian moms as well, but that's really how I got started with building community. But then In person is how I met Tara and Kaylee and Lauren. Actually, I met them through Instagram, of course. Where do we all meet? So last year we decided to get together and Lauren's all the way in North Carolina, Tara's from Houston and Kaylee's from Utah, but they have these really beautiful support systems within their family and they knew that I did not we're in San Diego and it's just my husband and I and my stepson, of course. So we don't have any local family. And so the ladies decided, Hey, we're just going to come to you. And yeah. So we stayed in an Airbnb last year. We had such a blast. So this year we decided to do it again and we rented another Airbnb, but this time we did a little twist. Yes. It was the four of us wanting to relive. We did a lot of the same things, same brunch spot, same hysterical. But the thing that we did differently was we hosted a meetup and that was a little bit North of San Diego. And we invited a bunch of Southern California mamas, And it was just such a wonderful experience. And truth be told, some of those moms I've been speaking with on IG for months, if not years. And I finally was encouraged because of my small core group to branch out and hug these moms in person. And it was just, it was fantastic. It was pure magic.
0: Yeah. And now it seems like there's, it's building even more. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So we, we overshared, we shared everything right on Instagram. And it was not, I promise it was not to brag about our relationship, nor was it to create FOMO. But I think it created a little bit of FOMO in the sense that it pushed moms to say, I want this for me. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why we did it, because we want this for everyone. If, Of course, if they want to have community. So if the moms are feeling lonely, like I have felt, if the moms are feeling maybe they're too introverted, like I have felt, if moms feel that they don't have support locally, like I have felt it's time right now. It's time to start building that community. And so I feel like us sharing our little shenanigans adventures that weekend really showed that moms can easily put up a Google form and create an email list and say, Hey, I'm in this area. I'm in Arizona. Who else is here? Let's get together. So I feel like it's going to really emerge. So That's yeah. so
0: wonderful. Uh, I love that. And yeah, I enjoyed watching all of your stories. Yeah. Um, we're
1: ridiculous. We're ridiculous when we're together, but it it's so very fun. healing.
0: Yeah. 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 That's so great. And yeah. And to think what all started from your membership and you've developed these strong lasting relationships and I think that's what stuck out to me when, again, I don't remember which one of you I stumbled upon first, but again, you guys had just done the trip or were in the process. And I was like, oh, look at this. And I just remember being like, more of this needs to happen. And I think a lot of times it doesn't happen because there's this feeling like what you're going through, only you're going through, even though- and I hear this a lot. Yes, they know that other people have autistic children and are navigating this, but finding, I think too, actually to think about it, I love where the autism like field, I don't even know if field's the right word, but is going But I Mm -hmm. also think that sometimes what's created is like there's so much individuality where it's your kid's not like my kid. And so therefore we can't have anything in common. And it's, but what if you do have a lot in common? And some of it is that shared experience of having an autistic child, but also, and some of it too is just having your own relationships with other like-minded people as well. So it might not be every single mom of an autistic child, you're like, oh, those are my people, but you're going to find your subgroup of people within the larger community. What are your thoughts about that?
1: No, absolutely. It's funny you say like-minded. Like-minded just means that you have some common thread between you. It does not mean that your lived experiences are the exact same. Why are we so quick to say autism is a spectrum, but then we think moms are all the same? We're not. So- Our personalities may not mesh with every single other autism mom. And that is okay. But by golly, find your people. Find who you do connect with. Find who fills your cup and who lights you up and who you look forward to each day to do a voice memo through DMs or send a funny GIF or a meme. Find the people that you just really connect with. And that's just going to be the start of really strong relationships. I am not for everyone and I am okay with that. There's a lot of people that are not for me. I'm not attracted to the hyper negative, right? And, or I love sarcasm, but there's some dark sarcasm that's really hard for me sometimes because I take it personally, which is, that's for another episode. That's my therapy time with you, all right? But at the same time, I think that we attract the right people. And what is the word? Repel. Repel. Exactly. And repel also the right people. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that is really normal. That happens in Everyday life, we do that. Right. And so, some of that I think is owning that and knowing that you can find people that you don't have to feel so lonely. And I know before we hit record, we were talking about too going into the holiday season, how that yes. can feel lonely. Can you touch on that yes. a little bit?
1: Yeah, I just, I love the conversations that are being had about community, especially because of the timing right now going into the holiday season. I feel like that's when depression rates skyrocket. I feel like that is oftentimes when that comparison of who has large supportive families and who doesn't. And I don't know. I just think sometimes it's very compelling to stay the same and to feel cloistered and to Try to do things on your own because building community and building friendships, it does take work and it does take being very intentional, not only with your time, but with your heart. It it does take a lot of work, but I think it's worth it. I think it's always worth it. If, if people want to find community, then they've got to put themselves out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So how would you recommend a parent listening to this podcast right now to start finding community? What are some good resources for that or ways to navigate that, particularly if they don't have an Instagram following to be able to be like, hey, where are people at? That type of thing.
1: Yeah, I would. If people don't have Instagram, they likely do have Facebook. And that's actually one of the first places I would look is for local autism support groups in their community. And I love that I'm saying that, but that was almost one of the last things I did. (laughs) And I wish I would have done it sooner. I would maybe start there and try to connect in person if possible. I would also just start looking at hashtags on Instagram or Facebook that resonate with you and your own experience with autism. Let's say Let's say you're in, I said, I wasn't going to talk about this, but let's say you're in potty training years or you're in, oh, sibs, like self-injurious behaviors, like start looking for hashtags that really resonate with you and the experience you're having right now with your child and try to connect with moms or dads for that and try to make those connections through those channels, I would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great recommendation and not something I feel like I would necessarily think of. And that's a great way to be able to leverage social media. It's not that you have to have this huge following, but using it in a way to find people. And I also think it helps algorithm wise too, that even if, for example, they follow you, which we'll link your Instagram below, they're like, okay, I'm vibing with her. Even if they're across the country from you, the thing is that other parents that might be following you could be more local to them and Absolutely. they will start popping up, things like that. So I think I honestly find Instagram to be an amazing tool for building community. Like you said, you've met yeah. everyone there. That's how we met. Yeah. yeah,
1: Yeah. And to use Instagram to your benefit, don't get sucked into the mindless scrolling unless it's to look at cute little animals because I do that a lot before bed, but don't get stuck in the mindless scrolling. Don't get stuck on the accounts that don't fuel you. Don't get stuck on accounts where you feel like you're comparing your life to theirs because Instagram can oftentimes be very shiny and yeah, just highlight real level versus super, super real. Yeah. So as long as you're mindful, of how you use Instagram, I think it can be such an amazing way to connect with others. It has absolutely has been a game changer for me.
0: Absolutely. So you referenced your community, like your yeah. intentional membership that you have. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about what's involved in, because okay. I think this could be a great resource for parents as well.
1: Sure. So just really quick, I have a a wonderful, again, Facebook community that is completely free. It actually runs itself. I I go in there to moderate every once in a while, just to make sure that everyone's behaving, but they do. And they're just amazing. And so those are moms from all over the world and they're able to ask questions. And we often do little celebration days and photo dumps, Halloween costumes. I want to see everyone's costumes and all these Amazing pictures that just, ah, I love it. I love it there. And then again, I do a couple of retreats a year. Those are virtual. So, again, those can be everywhere. And I have amazing guest speakers. You are going to be one of them.
0: Oh, well, and
1: thank you. <laughs> <not> gonna- <laughs> we do prizes. I do a, a really fun swag bag for the moms because when you go to an in person, Conference or retreat, you want the swag. So I do this really cute goodie box, things like that. But then what has been newer for this year, I started it in July, is a membership and it's through the app called Patreon. And this is just a place for, I I call them community check ins. I, I post a little inspirational blurb and let moms just share what's on their heart, what they're going through that particular day. We do Zoom chats that are private. So you only get that link if you're in the membership. I do some mentoring and some support and really just giving some encouragement from the perspective of a more seasoned autism mom. Not that I'm a clinician by any means, but I do share perspectives and some mindset work just to help support them where they are. And then we do prizes and Uh, guest speakers as well. We have a guest speaker one time each month and you were our guest speaker last month. And it was amazing (laughs) setting boundaries. And yes, they absolutely loved having you. So
0: it was so much fun. And sometimes like when I do speaking things, I don't care like if one person shows up or how many do it's like, I can serve someone, but I was pretty blown away. When I remember you saying too, it was a little bit of a weird time. And I was like, but it still was so amazing and such a, I could tell like such a supportive and connected community. And I think that's really, really important. So
1: absolutely. It's been such a joy to run that. And yeah, so I just feel like anyone, any autism mom who wants community wants support, I'm going to try to find it and help them. If I can serve them, I want to be of service. Again, if it's not with me, then I want it to be with someone. and And I'm a great connector. i I don't know. I, I can't remember phone numbers and I can't remember what I did last week or what I ate this morning. But I can remember who helps who. So I love to connect people. That's
0: great. I love that. I love that. We'll make sure we're going to put all those links so that if parents are listening, they can go to the show notes, click it, go explore, go join the Facebook community, follow you, explore Patreon, because I think that's going to be so awesome. Do you have an approximate like plan or date for your next virtual retreat or not yet?
1: So I'm doing a very miniature one on December 2nd. I just didn't have the bandwidth to do a full weekend. So December 2nd, we're going to do a vision board workshop to prepare for 2024. We are going to have some fun prizes and we're going to have a community chat, which also will be great to get to know moms from different regions. Yeah. And um, then the next full virtual retreat will be in spring of 2024.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Oh, so lovely. I love that you do this. I know it's so much work though. So it is,
1: but it's such a passion though, that it is work. I'm not going to say it doesn't feel like work. It does feel like work, but it's worthy work. It's important. So I, yeah,
0: absolutely. Jamie, is there anything else that comes to mind that parents listening to this podcast, you want to make sure they hear before we wrap up?
1: I feel like I hit the most important and that is to connect and build community, to take care of yourselves. I feel like I have gone up and down in that respect, both with physical injuries and up and down in my weight because of using food for comfort, things like that. But I think just going back to what we spoke about midway is Really taking care of yourself, taking care of your family as a whole, because that really will be the game changer with your child. And I know we will do anything, anything, anything for our children, but they need to see that we're willing to do that for ourselves too, because we are also important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not selfish. I think that's such a common thought process, but it will serve your child. And Absolutely. I love that idea of modeling. I talk about modeling other yeah. things all the time, modeling how you want them to care for themselves and you matter too. So I love Absolutely. that that messaging to wrap us up. Jamie, yeah. thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you. I love this. I have so much fun. So much fun. I agree. All right, y'all, that is a wrap for today's episode of Evolve with Dr. Tay. I will see you back here next time. Before we wrap up this episode, for real this time, I wanna share a couple ways you can get even more value and what your next steps could be. First, join the Evolve Facebook group. We do Q&As about the episodes and so much more. I linked that group, my personal social media pages, and any resources I mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So scroll down now and join me online. When you submit questions on any of my pages, your question could be featured on this podcast. How cool is that? I love being able to speak on topics that feel directly relevant to your life. Your questions truly make a difference in the content we create here. One last thing, do your fellow autism parents a favor. Share this episode on your social media and tag me. Autism currently affects 1 in 36 families in the United States and many more worldwide, so I'm sure there is a parent in your social media followers that could be served by this podcast. Thank you again for being here. And I'm so grateful we shared this time together. Bye y'all.